When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Good morning and happy Charged Up Tuesday. My name is Dana Olivo with Market Academy LLC. And today on Charged Up Studio, we're going to be doing our first book review for 2021. The book, The E-Myth Revisited by Michael Gerber. This book epitomizes the outlook of small businesses and their mindset going in as they start a business, which is what Marketatomy LLC is all about. What Marketatomy does is we are all about giving small business, micro business owners the leg up in gaining the skills and knowledge needed to successfully launch and grow their businesses. With an increase of 83% new licenses since March of 2020, we've got a lot more new businesses out there in the market and a good deal of them don't have the skills and techniques needed in order to grow their business. It's our intent to fill that gap with them gaining the skills and the tools that they need so that they are not blowing their life savings running a business without that knowledge base. With that being said, let's kick off really quickly and let's talk about some of the news that's happening out there in the world as far as COVID is concerned and things like that. And right now, one of the biggest debates in Congress right now is the filibuster. With the Democrats controlling both the houses. The, the question is, is what are the chances of a filibuster really happening? Let's talk a little bit about what a filibuster is. The Senate rule requiring a supermajority vote on many bills rather than a straight majority is, is where a filibuster comes in. It has benefited the political right more than it has the left. In the early days of Joe Biden's presidency, with the Democrats narrowly controlling the Senate, the debate over the filibuster has intensified over whether the party should eliminate the filibuster. If Senate Democrats did, they could try to pass many bills, say on climate change, voting rights, medical expansion, and tax increases on the rich with 51 votes rather than 60. As part of the debate, Many observers have pointed out that both parties have used the filibuster and both would suffer from its demise. A Senate without the current filibuster really would cause problems for Democrats at times. However, there is no question about which party benefits more from the filibuster. Republicans do, and it's not close. So with that being said, what are we looking at as bills are passed through Congress with the majority of the House being owned by the Democrats. 
Will the Republicans have a chance of stopping bills that they don't agree with? So even though we're a little ways out and it's not something that is immediate right now, what is immediate is COVID and what's going on with COVID. Biden has already curtailed back the travel restrictions that, that Trump had put into place. Is that going to increase our chances of a new virus spreading? That's something we have to wait and see. I can tell you that I was uh, in the salon getting a mani and a pedicure. And while I was sitting there getting my nails done, there was a, a young lady who came in and insisted that she should not have to wear a mask because she had a pre-existing condition of asthma. And because evidently, according to her, because she has that pre-existing condition, she didn't have to wear a mask. Well, what does that say to the rest of us who are wearing a mask? I have asthma, but I wear a mask, not necessarily because I believe that the masks are generally a mandatory precaution against COVID, but because of the other people, because of the people around me who do believe that protecting themselves from this virus is critical right now. So why is it that she felt that she didn't need to and she didn't worry about anybody else? And this is where I feel as though we have become very divided as far as our responsibilities when it comes to, to COVID. And I'm going off on a tangent right now. Myself, you already know from my past um, podcasts that I don't believe the numbers that are being reported as far as COVID deaths are legitimate. Are realistic. Uh, I believe that a great deal of the deaths that are being contributed to COVID is actually because of pre-existing conditions that COVID might have accentuated. If it's a matter of protecting myself, who has asthma, who, who has a bronchial, and I'm of the age, I will wear the mask. But not because I'm trying to protect myself so much, but because I don't want others to feel as though I don't care about their health. With that being said, the, the pandemic and what's going on, I think we need to really keep in mind those around us rather than just ourselves. If we're insisting that we're going to go out and we're going to do what we need to do or what we want to do, such as getting our manis and petties, then we should appreciate the fact that We've got others in the same salon that are all wearing their masks. And we should also appreciate the fact that the CDC has basically set down the law for these salons, saying that they have to make sure everybody wears a mask. Now, when this young lady came in and said she wasn't going to wear a mask, they weren't going to let her in. In fact, they even offered to give her one of the plastic ones that don't go right over her mouth to ease her her issue as far as the asthma is concerned, but she didn't even want to do that. So needless to say, she walked out saying she was going to go somewhere else, which is, as far as I'm concerned, that's fine. I didn't want somebody around me who was not going to care or can be concerned about my health and only her inconvenience. So that's my rant for this morning. So let's get on to something that I feel as though is an exciting portion that we're bringing to Charged Up Studio Live which is our bi-monthly book reviews. And this book called The E-Myth 
Revisited by Michael Gerber is one that I have read several times over. He did publish an earlier book, and then he's gone and republished it again, bringing it up to date. But Michael Gerber makes some very good, solid points when it comes to small business owners and what what they focus on when they start their own businesses. You know, in in a matter of just a, a few key points, what the book focuses on most of all is that small business owners work in their businesses rather than on their businesses. Now, I have said this many times on many of my podcasts. When a small business owner jumps into business without a strategic plan, what they end up doing is what we call the um, technical side of the work. They get in, they start producing or creating, worried about bringing in those first checks. But then what happens is they find themselves behind the eight ball trying to chase money as opposed to building a business. So In other words, what they're doing is they're working in their business. They're an employee of the business as opposed to an entrepreneur. People who are exceptionally good in business are so because of their insatiable need to know more. And this is where this education and these tools and skills are critical to new business owners. You know, granted as business owners, we can all agree that we don't know everything that needs to be known about running a business. But we also should understand that in order to even hire somebody or bring somebody on to effectively manage the components that we're not good at, we need to understand a little bit about what the process involves so that we can talk intelligently to the people that we are hiring or we're partnering with. And also, understanding the technical work of a business does not mean you understand the business that does the technical work. What this means is understanding how to put a product together or how to consult or how to coach does not mean that you understand what goes behind that work. The doing part of it is only part of it. So there's five big ideas brought out in Michael Gerber's book. And these are all things that, as small business owners, we should keep in mind moving forward. First of all, if you're unwilling to change, your business will never be capable of giving you what you want. This need to control everything and that you know what's best is going to be the demise of your business. Second is the fatal assumption. If you understand the technical work of a business, you understand a business that does that technical work. So for instance, let's take a restaurant. Let's say you're starting a new restaurant. You understand what goes into making the restaurant survive or or work, but you don't understand what goes into that. The accounting side, the the business side, the, the marketing side. So if you understand the technical work of your business, you need to also understand what goes behind that and what makes that the component that survives. I've always said a business without customers is no business. Number three, the entrepreneurial seizure occurs the moment you decide it would be a great idea to start your own business. 
Okay, the minute you decide you're going to start your business, you are gung-ho. You're ready to go. You're, you know that you can do it all. But what happens is the fact that as you get farther and farther into your business, you realize that it's not as easy as you thought it would be. And you start having those doubts. So Michael goes on to say, everybody who goes into business is actually three people in one. You have the entrepreneur, the manager, and the technician. And we'll get into those a little bit more in this podcast. And finally, we all have an entrepreneur, manager, and technician inside of each of us business owners. Or every business owner has an entrepreneur, manager, and technician inside of us. But we're not all experts at all three. And we need to decide what are we going to be with our business. So let's talk a little bit and let's get into a little bit more about each of these, okay? First, let's talk about the entrepreneur. According to Michael Gerber and his book, the entrepreneur lives in the future, never in the past, rarely in the present. He's happiest when left free to construct images of what if and if when. So basically what an entrepreneur does is he is the innovator. He's the ideal ideologist. He's the one who has the big ideas, but he doesn't necessarily know how to implement those ideas. He's the creator of new methods for penetrating or creating new markets. A perfect example is Marketatomy. One of the things that we have realized over the last probably 10 years, working with small business owners, is that the compartmentalization, is that a word? Okay. The compartmentalization of gaps within a business aren't realistic because the departments and the key performance indicators within a company cross over many different divisions. And so therefore, what we have done because of the fact that there was very little data out there on micro businesses and small business as far as realistic expectations, we decided, okay, we needed to start capturing that information ourselves. And in order to do that, what we realized, or myself as a CEO, what I realized was the fact that working with these small businesses, they could not envision how sales and operations and finance all joined together in the key performance indicators or the goals of each department and how if one fails, the other two are going to fail. So working with these small business owners, when I went in there, it was a matter of getting to the root cause of the problem as opposed to what the surface indicated the problem was. As entrepreneurs, our creative personality, always at its best dealing with the unknown, prodding the future and creating possibilities out of possibilities, we also engineer chaos into harmony. So with this realization that I had with dealing with small businesses, what I decided to do was take the initial step that I was doing with my small business owners, which was a four-hour process of uncovering 
where they were in their business right now and exporting it into a document that helped me understand where that company was and putting that into an assessment that could be done online and automatically grade and calculate what the score would be for a business who is either just starting out, which just starting out is not necessarily the type of company that would be taking what I'm calling the business help check assessment. This assessment is designed specifically for small businesses who have been in business, who are struggling to break through a revenue ceiling or who are struggling to make a brand for themselves. So what I have done is I've developed this assessment that goes through and assesses companies across 20 different key performance indicators across all of the different divisions or components within the company. And from that, there's a lot of interaction and, and inter-exchanges between the divisions that we are able to pinpoint where the actual gaps are in the company. If a company comes to me as a strategist and says, okay, we're not meeting our sales. I need somebody to come in and evaluate how my sales department is doing and where we need to change things in the sales department. The first thing I have to do is sit down with the entire company and all of their divisions and figure out, is it really the sales department that has the issue? Or perhaps maybe it's the messaging that's going out to the market that's not closing the deal. Or is it a product or service that is not viable anymore and that people just don't need? Or is the price just not comparable for sales? These are all issues that could lead to a drop in sales or a stagnant growth effort within a company. And that is what this business health check assessment is designed to do. Now, how did I do that? Or how did this come to me? Well, first of all, a four-hour discovery process with me was taking a lot of my own personal time and my, and my, um, my employees' time. So I had to streamline the process, which is what brought this out and, and helped me come up with this concept. In the process of coming up with this concept and the explanation that it took to get it across, I had gained a lot of attention on this. So this, this whole assessment product has been a good year and a half, two years in the making. But we're finally to the point where we're ready to beta launch, probably next month. This is what an entrepreneur does. He or she is, are always thinking ahead. They're always thinking about how can we make this better? Or how can we capture more market share? Or how can we capitalize on our competitors? These are all what an entrepreneur does. They are not working in the business. They are working on the business. They're thinking ahead. They're planning. They're strategizing. Now, the manager side of the business is pragmatic. Without him, there would be no planning, no order, no predictability. These are the, the, the people who are so organized that they can manage a project from beginning to end. They can take an idea that you have and they can turn it into an actual realization. 
If an entrepreneur lives in the future, the manager lives in the past. What he or she does is craves order and he wants to back up the assumptions made by the entrepreneur with historic numbers, histor history on how to make this project a reality. The manager is one who runs after the entrepreneur to clean up the mess. And I can tell you it's the same with me. You know, I have ideas and as much as I'm not, and I, I'm highly technically motivated in the sense where I look to technology to control the systems within my business, to, to run, run smoother, run my business smoother. The problem is I'm not a programmer, but I do have a degree in management information system or database design, which is where a lot of that technology comes in. So if, if a programmer comes to me and says, I don't think we can do that. You know, my first thought is as an entrepreneur is saying, look, I don't agree with you. We just haven't figured it out yet. It's up to you as a manager to help me figure out how do we carry this out? That's what an entrepreneur does. And what a manager does is they work with those entrepreneurs to make the project happen or make the, the, the idea come to a reality. Without the manager, there could be no business, no society. It's, it is, it's the tension between the entrepreneur's vision and the manager's pragmatism that creates synthesis from which all great works are born. Now, the technician, on the other hand, is the doer. The technician loves to tinker. They love to take an idea and take the processes and make it happen. If an entrepreneur lives in the future and the manager lives in the past, the technician lives in the present. He loves the feel of things and the fact that things can get done. And in all honesty, when you think about what I was talking about as far as um, the programming side of things and the, man the, the, the disconnect between the manager and the entrepreneur on whether things can be done, the technician is the one who finds ways to get it done. As long as the technician is working, he's happy, but only on one thing at a time. He can't multitask. And that's where the manager comes in. The manager can manage several projects at the same time, but they cannot implement those projects. So therefore you may end up bringing on more technicians than you need managers. The technician mistrusts those he works for because they're always trying to get more work done than is either possible or necessary. And this is a critical fact to keep in mind. Myself, being an entrepreneur who also has some, some components of the manager and the technician inside me, I do tend to, before I'm even done with one idea, I'm coming up with another idea. And though each of those ideas I expect to be carried out because I know they can be done. You know, right now I'm managing two or I've, I've got two main big ideas for my company. The first being the marketatomy.academy, which is our online e-learning management system for small businesses. And the other one is the business health check assessment. Both of those projects require a great deal of time. 
and I quickly learned I can't manage them all, but I still did not want to give up my my dream of having them introduced. Yes, it's taken a little bit longer than I thought it would, but they're still continuing on, and they both are planned to launch within the next 30 days. But I've had to bring on those technicians, those programmers, those managers to keep the projects going while I continue doing what I'm best at. And believe me, I've got many, many more ideas in the back of my mind as far as what I want to do. But the fact of the matter is, as an entrepreneur, it is my job to ensure that all of the ideas that I come up with all focus on the brand that we are creating within Marketatomy. And that is to be the resource that small business owners can go to for whatever they need to succeed in business. The Academy, the Business Health Check, our mastermind groups, our coaching groups, all of those are all designed to help small business owners. So that is my job as an entrepreneur. So as you can see with Michael Gerber's book, a lot of what I've been teaching has been introduced to me through Michael's book. Uh, that and the fact that I have had two failed businesses before, and when those businesses have failed, it has taken a big chunk of my um, self-esteem with it, and I've had to build that back up again. And so therefore, the main reason why I am so focused on helping small businesses is I don't want you as an entrepreneur or a business owner of a small business to go through this same degrading process of feeling as though you've failed when actuality you have it. You've learned from every failure you've gone through. But if we can postpone that failment, that, that failure, or even keep it from actually happening, that's what we're trying to do. So I highly recommend, if you have not read Michael Gerber's book, I highly recommend that you do. Because it brings a lot of good questions that should be addressed either before you start your business or soon after you start your business, before you get so involved in the business. There, um, as you read through the book, you'll find that he talks about his EMIP program and how it's composed of seven distinct steps. What's your primary aim? Your strategic object objective, your organizational strategy, your management strategy, your people strategy, your marketing strategy, and your system strategy. What's the key word here? Strategy. If you go into business without a strategy, you're doomed to fail. You know, as you go through each of these, these questions, these strategies, you have to be able to answer them clearly. And then on top of it all, as you're going through this, you have to also think about, okay, how is this affecting my personal life? As I'm working in my business and on my business, okay, am I forgetting my family? Is there a balance there? Because... If there's not a balance between personal and business life, chances are one of them are going to fail. 
And if the personal life fails, chances are the business life is going to fail too because you won't have that support that you should have. Any strategic objective needs to be clearly stated and communicated. So with all of this being said, let's talk a little bit about what you should get out of this book and what are the next steps after this book. You know, once you have a clear understanding of what the need is in order to survive in business, then it's a matter of buckling down and deciding, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this correctly. Where do you go from there? Where do you start? Michael gives us a good starting point by explaining what the issues are and how you should be thinking as an entrepreneur and what the e-myth is when it comes to business. But then a lot of times what happens is we get stuck. Okay, yes, I want to do this, but where do I start? Well, that's where Marketatomy comes in. Marketatomy has introduced the Marketatomy dot academy and basically what it does is it follows a lot of the guidelines in, in Michael Gerber's book by providing the education tools the education and the knowledge needed to move forward and what's really cool about the Market Academy Academy is the fact that whether you are just starting out in business and you don't know the first step of what what you need to do or whether you're in business and struggling with different areas, you can start at any given point. The Academy follows a, a sequential flow as far as learning. We go from, there's five different areas that we cover. First is the see it. This is where your ideas come into play. This is where you're just thinking. It's the napkin stage. It's it's where you have decided that, okay, I want to start a business. I'm really excited about it. I see the business doing this, okay? I see myself doing this. But then we move on to the prove it stage. This is critical because if it's not a viable product or service, let's go back to the see it stage and let's see if we can go ahead and revise our, our ideas so that it is viable within today's market. And then once we've been able to prove it, we move on to the build it stage. And the build it stage is where we start developing all of the components, the systems. You know, we start thinking about how are we going to run this business? And how are we going to be successful at this business? How are we going to bring in our customers? All of that is all identified in the build it stage. Then we move on to the fund it stage. Once we have decided how this business model is going to look, we have to find the money to make it happen, whether it's personally funded or self-funded, or whether we go for a business loan, an equity loan, whatever. How are we going to fund it? By the time you get to the funded stage, you know what you're going to need in order to kickstart your business or to take it to the next level. And then finally, the last stage is the grow it stage. This is where you take everything that you have learned over the first four stages and the money you have gained in the fourth stage, okay, and you start implementing it. The problem with entrepreneurs 
when they first start out in business is they want to jump from the see it stage straight to the grow it stage. And by doing that, you are eliminating all of the strategy that needs to be done in place. So with that being said, now with Market Anatomy Academy, you have this resource that you can go back and you can begin to put that strategy in place on how you're going to learn the skills or what do you need to know to continue forward. My recommendation, your homework, is to go back and read The E-Myth Revisited by Michael Gerber. Get a good handle on what it takes to succeed in business and the mindset that's involved in going into business for yourself. And then from there, go on to Market Academy Academy and begin the process of developing that business. Each of the courses within Market Academy Academy is made up of a learning segment and an integrated activity segment. So with each course that you take in the Market Anatomy Academy, at the end of that course, you will have a working template for your business based on what your strategy is. And you can take that template and you can incorporate it into your business model. So with that being said, this is Dana Olivo with Market Anatomy and ChargedUpStudio.Live. Next week, we will be talking to Liz Ortiz, an accountant for small businesses, and he's, she's going to talk about what we have to look forward to as small business owners. What do we have that will benefit us moving forward? And what do we have to watch out for, especially with the PPP money coming in and what we've taken advantage of and what we have, what opportunities we have to work with as small business owners on the financial side of things. And you can always reach us at info at chargedupstudio.com. You can follow us on LinkedIn, on Instagram, on Facebook, on YouTube, and contribute to our platform on Patreon. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.